It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, SW Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, and by Radco, Your Truck Accessory Pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors. Brian Moon. We got a whole bunch of stuff to cover on this week's show. First off, uh, we'll talk about the JC's ice fishing extravaganza with Nate Blazing from SNW Guide Service and some of the fishing here locally, how that's going. We'll also talk to Jason Freed up on Leech Lake and uh, talk to him about the fall off and the cancellation of the Eel Pout Festival. We'll also talk some pike fishing with Steve Sapaniak and a whole lot more. It's all on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And our Lake and Field segment is brought to you by Oars and Mine and Crosby. Oars and Mine can set you up with a full line of live bait and tackle, a propane fill, the perfect ice house, and even more informed suggestions on where to drill your holes. Don't hit the Cuyuna Country ice until you hit Oars and Mine on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we kick off the show with our local report, as we always do. Uh, Nate Blazing joins us. Nate with the uh, S&W Guide Service right here in Brainerd and a very accomplished angler. And, uh, Nate, I, I guess we'll, we'll just start right off with uh, the story that a lot of people are wondering about. And, and the big question is with the J.C.'s ice fishing extravaganza. You spent a lot of time on Gull Lake. You spent a lot of time around that hole in the Day Bay area. Is there anything you can tell us out there? Because I know the JCs are going to wait until pretty much the right, until the last moment that they can announce this as to whether or not they're going to move it or whether or not it's going to happen on its original date. Uh, what can you tell us? Well, what I can say since we talked last, Brian, is that the ice really has came a long ways from where it was here two weeks ago. Um, when we got that rain, it really knocked the snow down that was on top. So. It is making ice now. Um, the only problem is we're a little behind and delayed on how much ice we do have. We still have that top two to four inches that's a white, softer ice. Um, you know, I think a good portion of the lake, you're right in that 10 to 12-inch range, but at the same time, I found several spots that are still that eight and a half, nine, nine and a half inches, so there's some variations. Um, I do think it's going to be real close depending on, you know, how much ice the, the sheriff's department wants out there. Um, I'm wishing them luck, but I guess I am seeing the long-term forecast, and it looks like I thought I heard some 15 to 20 below stuff, which would obviously help since we don't have snow cover, but I think it's going to be close, so we'll see. I guess Mother Nature is going to make that decision. Yeah, so I'm sure they will be sweating that out till the very end, so we'll definitely keep you posted on that because uh, – we got a lot of people that would be disappointed, obviously, if this wasn't going to happen. Yep, yep, and that's what, you know, like I said, we're, we're definitely making spice now. It's just I don't know how fast if we're going to make all that up or not, so it'll be close. So what can you tell us about uh, some of the other lakes around and, and, and some of the, you know, ice depths on, on some other lakes around and, and how the fishing's been, Nate? Sure. Well, like I said, the ice is definitely firming up. Um, a lot of those flush pockets we had before are starting to firm up. Um, it's pretty easy travel for the most part with any kind of ATV snowmobile right now. There's a few people that are starting to drive out on certain lakes. Um, you know, I, I would just say if you make that decision, be very cautious. Check that ice before you do it. Um, there are some areas I just saw up on Pelican and some of the bays as much as 15 to 18 inches. 
Uh, Moacs are starting to drive out on the east side and getting some wheelhouses out on the north side. So things are starting to happen. And again, this next week or so, I think we should really put on the ice um, and then be safe for driving out. But right now, personally, I'm still using snowmobile, ATV. Don't really even need chains. Um, some of your smaller lakes that, again, had all the slush problems before, they're still not perfect. There's still some sloppy stuff out there, but it's definitely easier to get around than it has been for most of the year. So uh, it's kind of nice and seeing some progress there. Um, the fishing seems to be a little quieter, the fishing activity. I think folks just, you know, with all that slush that had been there, are a little hesitant to go out. So I think as conditions here are improving, um, there should be a lot more people getting out in the next couple of days this weekend and so forth. So um, as far as the bite goes, the bite's been fairly decent, I would say, overall. Um, Northern Pike, been pretty darn active. Uh, a lot of good action in that 8 to 12-foot range. Primarily been doing sucker minnows on tip-ups. And again, if you can locate any kind of a green cabbage or vegetation, uh, you're probably going to have some action close to that. The guys that have been spearing, same thing. Seen lots of uh, numbers of fish, quite a few smaller ones. Heard of a couple of really big ones that, that got speared, so um, they're having some good success there. Panfish, still finding weed-related panfish, especially your bluegills, some crappies. Um, the thing I'd say there is, again, locate that green cabbage and then use if you've got an underwater camera. That's been so helpful for trying to find the pods of fish. If you pop that down and kind of move along and, once you find a school of fish, just pop on them, and you should have some good success there. There is starting to be a basin bite for the crappies. Some fish are moving out in that deeper stuff, so um, some guys are having some action there. Uh, walleyes, uh, it's been pretty good. A lot of the same stuff that we talked about before, I'd say I've been targeting that 15 to 23-foot range. Um, that seems to be best during the day. Go out a little deeper, I'll go out as deep as 30 feet and been getting some fish out there, but I don't like to go much deeper than that just because of the bear trauma and don't want to kill fish. But then your low light periods, morning, evening, just kind of slide up under that structure, more of that 15 to 18 foot range. But again, some really nice eater fish. Uh, I had a buddy that really has done good with big fish. The one that had a 30 inch or a 26 and a 25 inch. So that was awesome. Um, took my kids out on Saturday on gull and we just did tip up fishing and I think we had three or four little ones, one nice eater, and then actually, again, jumbo perch showing up. We had several, you know, smallish perch, but then we had a 13-inch jumbo, which was just really cool to see. And everyone I've talked to on Gull is running into one or two jumbo perch each time, so that's been kind of cool. Yeah, it's good to hear that. Gull's all when I first moved here, Gull was one of my favorite lakes to go perch fishing on, and and things kind of tapered off a little bit with them, and uh, now it's nice to see that making a comeback. Yeah, and, you know, again, the last couple of years, um, boat fishing, when you're moving across structure, you're just seeing clouds and clouds of bait fish, and as we've been cleaning fish, they're they're just gorging themselves on these young-of-the-year perch, so there's definitely been a handful of years of really strong young perch, so I think those are making their way through the system and starting to show up as bigger fish now. So, again, hopefully we're kind of over that hump and can have some nice big jumbo perch to fish for a while, so that'd be cool. And you mentioned too, Nate, that uh, you know some of the because of the ice conditions and a lot of the chatter that's been going on, you're not seeing as many anglers out on the ice now. You were out on Malax, and uh, you you thought you were alone until you happened to take a, a look around and, and realize you had a buddy out there. Right? Yeah, I was out on the mudflats last Friday, and 
kind of just getting set up. It was mid-morning, and I looked up in the distance. Something caught my eye, and I kind of looked, and I'm like, is that a deer? No. Is it a dog? No. Is it a coyote? No. And again, I'm out three, four miles, and here it ended up being a timber wolf, um, which was kind of cool. But again, I was all by myself and figured he was out there for a reason looking for food. So uh, once I figured out what it was, kind of watched him pretty close, and I think he was out there for two hours or so, and he kept migrating towards the middle of the lake, and then he finally disappeared. So that was the first for me around here, at least. How far away was he, do you think? From you, I bet I bet he was a quarter mile to a half a mile away. Again, I didn't have any binoculars with because um, it took me a little bit to figure out that it was a wolf. But then, as I saw him moving and how tall he was, that's when I figured out what it was. And then others saw him, had some pictures, and then actually saw the footprints out on the ice too. So, <laughs> I can say I've had one time I've actually been uh, visited by a wolf, and that was up on Lake of the Woods when we were fishing one time, and. Uh, he was just munching away on an eel pout, and I, for some reason, had some binoculars with me. Why I would have them on an ice fishing, I don't know, but <laughs> I did. And, uh, yeah, it gets your attention in a big hurry. Right, yeah, it was really cool to see, but at the same time, I, I like you said, I was ready to jump on the sled if he started coming <laughs> towards me just to go for a little ride. So, pretty cool. Yeah, so that's an interesting outdoor experience for somebody. Um, one last thing, uh, Nate, you guys uh, had a meeting with the uh, the Walleye Alliance at had a meeting. What can you tell us? Anything new going on with you guys? Yeah, actually, we had a bunch of stuff that we took care of last night. Um, we're kind of firming up stuff for our spring banquet again, which is April 23rd. Um, we're changing the venue this year. We hosted it at the Legion last year in Brainerd, which was great, but the folks that were there, we kind of ran out of room. And so we were looking for a little bigger venue to hopefully grow this event. So we're looking up at the woods on Highway 25 up by Merrifield. And we went and checked out their convention center, and I think it's going to be an absolute perfect fit, give us some more room. So um, that's where we're going to hold it up there. Again, Jimmy Linder is going to be the the featured speaker up there, so we'll be getting more information out about that pretty soon. Um, And then the other thing that I kind of want to just put out as a teaser, because this just came out last night, but it sounds like we're, as Alliance, going to try and do a spring fishing walleye tournament on Gull Lake. we're in the progress right now of securing a, a permit with the DNR and um, contacting a couple places in terms of hosting it. But uh, the kind of cool thing there is there doesn't seem to be too many spring tournaments for walleyes in the area. And then also the thing that we're looking at that's a really beneficial thing is colder water, shallower fish, next to no mortality rate. So that's why it's kind of a no-brainer. So hopefully we'll be able to pull this stuff together and I'll be able to give you some more concrete information in the next week or two about that. We'll look forward to it. That's Nate Blazing, SNW Bait and Guide Service. Uh, Nate, if people want more info on you, want to book a trip, how can they do that? Sure, you can give Sherry up at SNW Bait Shop a call. Her phone number is 218-829-7010. She does the booking for us, and she's also got my phone number if someone wants to talk to me directly. Otherwise, you can check out our web- website at snwguideservice.com. Appreciate it, Nate. Good information as always, and we will chat next week. Thanks, Brian. Take care. All right. When we come back, we'll head up to Leech Lake, talk to Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures. And uh, Jason's got the latest on fishing out there, the ice conditions, and the fallout of the cancellation of the Eelpout Festival. When we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. 
Whether it's for fun, sport, or hunting, if you love to shoot, you know it's important to go to a gun shop that has everything you need. That's Freedom Firearms in Brainerd. Freedom Firearms isn't a huge gun shop, which means Russ, the owner, attends to his customers. They carry rifles, shotguns, pistols, suppressors, distance precision rifles, plus ammo and accessories and gunsmithing. Plus, they offer $25 transfer fees. Buy, sign, or trade at Freedom Firearms, two blocks east of the historic water tower between Little Caesars and O'Reilly. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And back with us, our uh, good friend Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures. And uh, Jason always keeping a very close eye on Leech Lake. And uh, obviously some of the big news, Jason, uh, with Leech Lake is the uh, cancellation of the Eel Pout Festival. That news came out late last week. We'll get to that here in just a bit. But people that maybe want to get up north, maybe where there's a little more ice, a little better ice up on Leech, uh, how are they going to do up there, Jason? Have the fishing been pretty good and the ice conditions pretty good? Well, we'll first start with the ice. Um, it, uh, this last big snowstorm we got there you know, a couple weeks ago really put a, a hurting on the, uh, the main lake. Um, Walker Bay was, um, you know, froze over last like it always does. And, uh, you know, Walker Bay right now is, you know, depending on, it's still very, it's hit or miss. You know, some areas have, you know, 10 inches, 9, 10 inches of ice, and some areas have 13, 14 inches of ice. So, um, you know, the, the benefit is it, it, it froze over after the first kind of big snow, but then we got this last snow, and, and so it's just kind of, uh, it's still very much hit and miss out in Walker Bay. Uh, I would still use caution. I wouldn't go out there with uh, with trucks and and everything quite yet. Uh, I haven't talked to anybody here later this week. Now we've had this cold spell to see if things are getting a little bit better. But um, I know the rental business up there, there are very few to zero rentals in Walker Bay. All the rentals are out on the main lake because that's where the most ice is. Um, when you get to the main lake, on the other hand, that got pounded with the snowstorm, and it is a major problem out there with slush right now. Um, I know most of the resorts have either shut down the roads or are just allowing it to resort traffic only and not allowing people to go out on, on most of the uh, resort roads right now on the main lake because it's, it's just kind of a mess between slush. Guys are trying really hard to get roads, roads plowed, and, and that last snowstorm we got really uh, really hurt the lake in that sense. So it's going to take some time. Uh, once again, the ice conditions on the main lake in some areas are really good, 16-plus inches of ice. In other areas of the lake, people were finding, you know, a couple weekends ago, we're finding 10 inches of ice. Um, you know, and so it's, uh, it's, it just seems to be like it's going to be one of these winters where you just have to be careful all the time. And as still saying, no, no ice is safe ice and, um, you know, stick to the roads and, and just, you know, really do your due diligence and, and things just as quick as ice season came this year, it just seems like, uh, we've had one curveball after another thrown our way in regards to making good solid ice and, Hopefully we'll get some cold snaps here and it'll get things squared away. But for now, uh, wherever you're at on Leech Lake, you know, call ahead, check the roads. Um, right now, travel is very limited um, to, you know, I know most people are just getting around on snowmobiles and, and utilizing that. With that being said, I've heard some pretty good fishing reports. I haven't had a chance to get up there and fish here yet, but, um, you know, people who are able to get out using ATVs or, or snowmobiles, um, are having some success. Walker Bay, um, you know, they're kicking out fish on, on some of the uh, the humps, and, and then the shoreline breaks have been actually really good as well. Um, same thing, low light hours, early morning, evening. Um, 
is going to be best anywhere out, you know, 24 to out to 30 feet of water, uh, as well as some of the humps that top out a little bit more as well on that side of the lake. And then on the main lake, it's the same thing. It's, it's a very um, quiet bite during the day. You get a little bit of a flurry in the evening, uh, but it's not a numbers thing. It's more quality fish out there. You catch a lot more fish that are over that 20-inch mark than you do under the 20-inch mark. Um, and same thing on both sides of the lake. You know, dead sticks seem to outproduce most of the time. Um, and then you, you know, you draw them in with the jigging spoons and more aggressive presentations. But, um, you know, from a walleye standpoint, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to really know exactly how great the fishing is because people just haven't been able to really get out and explore on the lake as much as maybe they have in years past this time of year. So, um, I think there's good fishing to be had. You just got to have the tools and the means to go and find those fish where they're at right now. I'd imagine too, people that want to go out and maybe hunt, uh, panfish, crappies, perch uh you know one of the best tactics for that is punching a lot of holes and moving around that's nearly impossible i would think yeah you know and that's the other thing i mean we had such good ice early and then these little lakes which i you know have always been my preference for fishing bluegills and crappie especially up in that area you know they were setting out to be just dynamite and then they got that snow and then they got more snow and those lakes are just they're borderline just almost impossible to fish right now because there's so much snow and slush on them that you, I mean, you just, you're, you're just, you're, you're setting yourself up for a long day and you just better hope you land on top of them right away because otherwise you're going to be dealing with slush and water and, and whatnot. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's funny because everybody gets all fired up for ice fishing and then it happens and it came so fast and now it's going to be a, a real test of people's patience here the next few weeks to see if things kind of just, uh, you know, work themselves out and then in the water and the slush and everything just kind of slowly goes away. But uh, let's just hope we don't get much more snow and and uh, people can still get out and really enjoy um, ice fishing season here this winter. That's for sure. Now, uh, one of the big stories, Jason, and you are heavily involved with uh, Eel Pout Festival, and that is the fact it was canceled this year on Leech Lake. And uh, when I first saw the headline, I thought right away, you know, it's the ice conditions and all of that. That turns out that was not necessarily the case. No, it wasn't. And, you know, I think it's been something that, you know, the last, you know, last two, three, four years, you know, there's been a big thing with, with garbage and trash on the lake. And, and, it's, and uh, the festival has taken a lot of, um, um, it's taken a real big hit from a public relations standpoint, you know, dealing with that and it being on the news and, and, and and they've done their due diligence the last two three years of really hiring and and making sure people are out there and I think the number one reason what it came down to was, um, you know you had the issues with the permits uh, getting out on the lake uh, and dealing with the trash and and the things that all went with that and then everything that happened last year with the flooding on the lake and and it really just was becoming a real headache I think and so between the 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 permit legal action of aspect and then the cleanup of the lake i think they made the choice and then obviously looking at some of the conditions that we're already facing this year and a culmination of everything the choice was made by the by the festival to say you know it's just it's it's not worth to have this year and it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that it's canceled forever um you know i know like chase on the lake is they're already planning on a uh, a frozen block party i think they're calling it and they're going to have a that weekend they're going to invite people up there and and uh, or people in the Walker area, and they're going to have stuff um, on the street uh, next to Chase on the Lake. But um, for now, they're going to try to remove them, you know, the, themselves as much as they can off of the lake to deal with the problems that they were having out on the lake and and whatnot. So, and I've heard some other things, you know, people trying to organize some outings and stuff that weekend. But ultimately, it still comes down 
to people being stewards of the lake and taking care of the lake and and not leaving garbage and I mean I it's amazing the things that got left behind out on the ice. I mean I've been there the last nine years running the weigh-in stage and and uh, it's just it's unfortunate and and it, it, it is kind of a Minnesota tradition um, and it's I heard somebody say yesterday it was kind of a it was almost like a way to kind of wrap up the winter in a sense you know and um, yeah it, it's gonna be really interesting I, I don't know the future I just always just kind of been in tune with the weigh-in and the tournament por- uh, portion of things and um, my prediction my gut is is, is if and when it comes back um, you'll see some changes you'll uh it may look a little bit different um i don't know that, that's just my my own personal what i envision might might happen I, whether that's true or not i have no idea because i have no connections to what what's being said and planned and, and whatnot but i think for now the best was to take a year off from it see kind of how things fall and then maybe regroup and go from there. But um, it's unfortunate, like I said, in the sense that it's it's a Minnesota tradition, and it's it's a, and there's a lot of really great things that go on at the festival and 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 whatnot, and it's um, there. But it's also in the sense I think maybe it's going to be an eye opener um, for people who have attended in the past or who maybe want to attend, and in, in terms of looking out for the lake and in the resource and and really taking care of. Of, of what we have out there. And, you know, it's like what I tell, you know, I'll tell my athletes when I'm coaching is, you know, when we show up to a, a locker room, we want to make sure that we leave that locker room cleaner than it was when we got there. And I think the same would go for a lake when you're out there on the, on a weekend for a festival. So I think that's just something to, to take note of and think about, but yeah, that's kind of where it's at right now. There's a lot, I think in limbo, but for now it's a, it's a no go. And, but there's going to be, I think a few things maybe being planned on the side in and around that time that people are interested. So just stay tuned, you know, to social media and, and whatnot to see what might be planned by certain groups of people or, or the chase on the lake, for example, I, I know they're planning something. So uh, maybe just stay tuned to that. And one last thing on that, Jason, um, and I'm sure this didn't play into the cancellation of it, but it's something that's been talked about is the fact that uh, Eelpout now in the last 10 years or so, they're not looked at like they used to be. A lot of people you know, look at them now as table fare and a game fish. And do you think yeah, that'll yep. be a problem going into firing it back up again? Well, I found out this year that the uh, eel pout have now been considered a game fish, and which throws a few more th- wrinkles into things. And, and and like you said, the popularity has grown immensely in the last ten years. Um, there, there's not a limit, there's not a slot or anything like that yet. Um, but as it continues to grow, and we've talked about this before, and becomes more popular, that could happen. And that that obviously changes the dynamics. You know, I think about any other fishing tournament, you got to follow you know, Minnesota law, regulations, links, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, it certainly could. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we, we, you know, could be going down that road. And obviously we've talked about the invasive species thing in the past and with transferring of water. And, you know, so I think there's a lot of, a lot of variables in play. Um, you know, I think one thing we've really tried to do, and I know we've talked about this in the past is the last uh, four to five years, we've made a really strong effort to, put the fish back in the lake and last year we saw a real uptick uh in our at least in the results from the tournament and the people who were fishing on leech lake in the tournament had a lot better fishing last year and i guess i hope to think that that was partially because of some of the things that we were doing the three four years prior by getting fish back in the lake um i think in the last three to four years we've 
it's like over 80% of the, of the yellow pelt that we weighed in went back into the lake, um, which is, I think, a super positive thing. People want, Some people wanted to keep them, and some, some of them were dead when they came to the, the weigh-in. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I think moving ahead and looking forward, uh, if it continues to go in the future, I think you'll see changes not only with the event itself, but also the, the fishing tournament itself. And, and, and we'll see where that goes. I, I don't really have that answer at this time. But uh, I think, like you said, from a fishing standpoint, the eel powders became so much more popular that I think it's brought a lot more awareness to the fish as well as that festival in regards to the fishing portion as well. And that's one reason why we took the, the measures we took, um, you know, four to five years ago to start putting more fish back in the lake. There you go. Some great stuff from Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures, and you can check Jason out, leisureoutdooradventures.com. He's also all over social media, too. Uh, I appreciate it, Jason. Good stuff, and we will chat real soon, okay? Sounds good. All right. When we come back, we'll head back out to Malax. Uh, Mandy Urich is out there. Steve Sapaniak is out there. We'll see what they're up to when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Uh, we head out to Mille Lacs. Uh, we're going to talk with Steve Sapaniak here in just a little bit about some pike fishing. Uh, Mandy Urich is with us right now. and <laughs> I really wish you could have heard all the uh, commotion going on before uh, we went live here. Uh, <laughs> sounds like, Mandy, you guys are having a little luck out there. Yeah, obviously we, we, we just jumped on the line and uh, I had one on, so... <laughs> Uh, just got out here a, a few hours ago checking some, some different spots, and we've got three nice ones so far. So, yeah, all's, all's going good. Um, ice conditions. Yesterday I was out of the south end. I actually left right from the access, headed out. There's 48 inches of hard ice pack on that southwest side, and, you know, anywhere from four to eight inches of good ice below there. There are some sporadic smaller spider cracks here and there and some slush pockets uh i definitely would suggest if you're coming out that you are using snowmobiles um just for one to cross cracks and two if you do happen to hit any of those slush pockets you're not going to want to do that with a track mobile or anything with wheels she could be a little difficult getting out today i'm up on the northwest side uh just out of red door kind of same conditions here there's probably six inches of good ice and eight inches of of hard pack uh, there is one a uh, significant ridge that's growing uh, that might be a little difficult to, to get over with a, a snowmobile, but that's about three-quarters to a mile out east of, of Red Door itself. So there's a ton of good fishable water in between shoreline break and that crack. That's good to hear because it seems like Mille Lacs might be one of the best places right now as far as ice conditions go. Uh, I've, I've you know heard some... Some areas out on Gaul are, are pretty good, too. But Mille Lacs right now, Mandy, it seems like that's where the destination is for a lot of anglers. Yeah, what a what a crazy turnaround, you know, in a week. You know, a week ago, it was pretty much impassable. The ice was super sketchy. It was slushy. There was deep snow. Um, that rain, ultimately, which I thought was going to end our season very early, uh, helped things out dramatically. I mean, except for a few slush pockets here and there. Uh, that hard pack, it's, it's pretty easy going to, to get around. You know, I, I wouldn't suggest yet heading all the way across the lake or something like that because there's still thin ice spots, obviously. Um, but, yeah, the, the conditions are a, a lot better than here than a lot of other places that I've been, I've been seeing. We're not dealing with, you know, slush pass up to your knee or things like that. Are you seeing a lot of other anglers out there too, Mandy? 
it's crazy closer to the shoreline down out of the garrison area uh the last couple days there's been quite a few anglers up on the north end not so much but you know there again we'll see i think people are just waiting for these to harden up a little bit more a couple more days of of cold weather so uh they can feel a little bit more at ease when they they head out and as far as tactics go, obviously you're having some, you know, success out there. Uh, what are you doing? Anything tricky or is it kind of status quo? Basically spot hopping right now and we're, we're, we're looking for the edges of, of structure on the, you know, off the edges or off the edges of structure on the mudflats. That 24 to, you know, 28, 29 feet of water seems to kind of be the, the magic depth and, there again, it's all about what the conditions are doing, too. You know, like we talk about in the summertime about sunlight penetration, even with this snowpack on there and overcast days, it's, it's still quite bright, you know. So you can catch those fish closer to shore off, the, you know, those shoreline breaks or on the rock humps in the, you know, early morning when that sunlight's still lower. You can catch them there during the day, um, but definitely move out deeper for, you know, during the day. I'm just too lazy, so I <laughs> right away for an all-day bite. <laughs> I don't blame you. But I will say, the gold Lindy Flyer today is the ticket. I, I've, I think I, I've proved that. I went old school into the tackle box, and uh, the gold seems to be doing the trick, just tipping it with uh, a fathead minnow. What is it with gold out of Mille Lacs? I, that's what I've always had success with, too. I don't know. Yeah, Jamie and I, Jamie Devenson's out here with me, too, and we're, we're having a conversation. He was going UV today, and I said, I'm going to stick with the tried and true. We'll see and go with the gold. But, yeah, I'm the same way. I've, I've done really good not only during ice fishing but in the summertime, too, with the, with the gold bait, which is kind of crazy with the clear water conditions, but it seems to work. I think maybe they like the golden shiners, so they always say match the hatch, and maybe that's what the ticket is. And one other thing I had heard that uh, there was a bit of a perch comeback there on Mille Lacs. Uh, Steve was talking about it here a couple of weeks ago. Um, are you seeing some of those mixed in with some of those walleyes you're catching? I am. I haven't got into them up on the on the north end yet, but I did yesterday down on the, the south end, which was really awesome to see, obviously. I mean, we're all looking forward to the big comeback of uh, of those and you know I, I assume if i when i tomorrow i'm going to head over to the east side of the lake and hopefully be able to to get into a pile of them over there there you go that's mandy Urich, a contributor here to brainerd outdoors and a good friend of the show good luck out there mandy uh i i hopefully i didn't jinx you i know you were catching walleyes like crazy before i called you and, and all that so uh good luck and i will talk to you soon okay all right thanks so much we continue out on Mille Lacs. Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service joins us. Uh, we're going to talk to Steve here in just a bit about some pike tactics that he works for him. But you've also been targeting perch out there, Steve. Uh, how's that been going? You know, a lot of perch in the 10-inch range, 11-inch range. And you know what? Those are good eaters, too. Uh, get out there with a small little jig, you know, a little piece of tungsten jig. Now, I shouldn't say a piece, but a tungsten jig with a vertical presentation has been doing real well. Put on a couple of your larvae, uh, white with red mixed in there, or um, put on a waxworm, you know. Uh, don't string it through the whole hook, but just sort of go through one end, you know, the very tip of it, and let that baby uh, down there wiggle around a little bit on that hook. You're going to have some good success, Brian, with the perch also. Yeah, and with those pike, uh, you know, it's fun to set up a tip up out there because uh, – they're there. There's no doubt about that. Definitely. The, you know, the pike there, you know, I, there's only one lake in Minnesota. Actually, two lakes. I've seen 50-inch northern pike. I've seen two of them on my lax lake. They're giant pike. They're huge pike there. Uh, Tip-ups, 
anywhere from um, 6 to 12, 6 to 14 feet of water, Brian, check out all the weed beds, okay? There's a lot of weeds all over the lake, north and south, east and west. Uh, fish the edge of the weeds. Fish every point, pocket, and inside turn. Now, I, don't, I tell everybody, don't fish more than 18 inches off the bottom. Pike are notorious scavengers, and uh, they like to stay close to the bottom. I write for a couple of magazines, and I've used that phrase too many times. They told me, fish every point, pocket, and inside turn of the weeds for, for northern pike. But it's true. That's where they concentrate. Inside turns and pockets, Brian, give, offer the pike a place to back into and lay in ambush waiting for an easy meal. Uh, a lot of times we like to have our tip-ups anywhere from 15, 20, 30 feet apart. I've been experimenting with uh, tip-ups being closer, 15 feet apart. Uh, two baits in the water in the same area, two minnows, has been very productive. Another method that's been productive for us, Brian, for pike fishing is drill a second hole. You know, maybe have that second hole about five feet apart at the most from where your tip-up is and drop a spoon down there without a hook on it on the order of uh, Lou Eppinger's Daredevil, or drop a spearing decoy. The point is you want to work that up and down a few times, uh, draw attention to any pike in the area. They'll come over and they'll see this beautiful big sacramento sitting there or shiner, easy meal, so it's a win-win situation. You know, there, has, there is an allure they haven't seen or a presentation they haven't seen, so you've got to mix it up in one way or another, and if you've got that attractor down there in the form of a spoon or a spearing decoy, it's a win-win situation. One last thing, Steve, I know you always keep a real close eye on on uh, some of the smaller lakes around Mille Lacs with uh, some pan fishing and stuff like that. Um, you hearing anything good there? You know, uh, there's a bunch of favorite lakes. Smith Lake has been doing okay with the panfish. Smaller crappies, decent-sized sunnies, nothing nothing really uh, large. The same with Borden Lake. A uh, little whitefish right across from Mille Lacs over there on the west side has always been a sleeper for crappies. A lot of people don't know about that lake. It's a fantastic lake for crappies. Panfish, not much for size, but... Uh, uh, I mean, sunfish, not much for size, but the crappies, you'll get them up to uh, 12 inches long at times. That's good size. Uh, Shakopee has been doing pretty good on and off. You know, nothing for size. Again, I hate to keep saying that, but it's true. Nothing for size. A lot of three to a pound or four to a pound. Problem is, you know, we're not able on all of these lakes I just mentioned to get out to the hot spots because, uh, be honest with you, I'm sort of a chicken to go across if no one else has been there. You know, go across the whole lake to a different area. Uh, not for this boy, not at my age. Steve's <laughs> Pontiac. Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. Good stuff as always, Steve, and uh, we will talk to you soon, buddy, okay? My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Always great to get a visit from a good friend of the show, and that is uh, Melissa Barrick. She is the district manager of uh, Crowing Soil and Water. She also brought a a friend along with her. Gary Doucette is here with us uh, with Crowing County Fairgrounds. And uh, Gary's going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the fairgrounds and what they've kind of done out there and some of the things that uh, Crowing Soil and Water has helped out with. Uh, Melissa, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, yeah, we were just wanting to chat a little bit about the 2020 uh, uh, tree sale. So we uh, just started taking orders for uh, spring 2020. Um, and so uh, anyone is available to order uh, native trees and plants. 
Uh, you can order online. Um, if you just Google Crowing SWCD, um, and it will direct you to our online order form. We can also uh, take orders over the phone. Um, you can stop by our office. But the big thing I wanted to chat about today was actually the open house. So uh, every year we have an open house, um, and the goal of this open house is really to be able to assist uh, landowners in providing them either information or resources to help them manage their land better. Um, And so we have an open house every year. Um, We got treats and cookies, um, and we have a bunch of other people there that can assist you with, you know, just questions like, what tree should I plant here? Or I want uh, to create pollinator habitat. Or I want, um, you know, maybe to do something for deer management. Um, so, you know, kind of just basic questions, giving you an opportunity to bring a bunch of people that know a lot about those topics. And then uh, you can kind of just leisurely talk to those people and get your questions answered. Um, and then we're also this year um, trying to have some guest speakers. Um, and so we invited uh, Ken Bloomfield um, from the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources to come and talk a little bit about uh, weather impact patterns from Minnesota. Uh, This last year, we've gotten lots and lots of calls uh, from people with uh, water issues, right? So the water table around the Brainerd Lakes is probably the highest um, it has been in a long time. And so um, I thought it'd be fitting for uh, the climatologists to come just talk about what does this look like into the future? And what are these patterns kind of statewide of what we're seeing and what can we kind of think about into the future? Um, So he's going to be coming and talking about that. Um, And then uh, we also are um, hopefully trying to have someone come and talk a little bit about um, the pollinators. So there's been a lot of talk about the rusty patch bumblebee, um, which is uh, kind of the governor initiative as our state bumblebee um, and so we also be kind of talking a little bit about you know how people can kind of create backyard little pockets of areas that these bees and butterflies like to stay and hang out very interesting stuff ah question for you Melissa when people go to things like this or even order online or or uh, just uh, ordering trees is there one that you would say is the most popular people go after um people really like the pines um, Gary and I were just talking about this uh, today, actually, is, is uh, you know, the pines are really great uh, species. People really like those. Obviously, it's kind of, I guess, the, the north woods look. Um, but what's really cool about the conifers is that they keep growing in the winter, and you'll actually see them grow throughout the winter. Um, and so the, that's a big popular one. Um, a lot of also people like some of the, the, um, the shrubs that have flowers. And provide berries to birds. That seems to be really popular as well. Um, but we have a whole list of, like I said, uh, different species of plants and trees. Um, and, uh, you know, we're definitely willing to help uh, people kind of look at that list and kind of figure out what their site condition can handle and what would be best suited for their specific location. Um, one of the things is most of these trees are all what we call native. So they're used to growing in these environments of either high water, um, the sand, you know, we get that all the time is, do you have anything? Thing that's going to grow in sand. Most of this, all this stuff is, you know, already uh, able to establish in sand. You don't need to bring black dirt. Um, and so 
that's another great thing is is you know these these trees and plants are used to the weather patterns. But um, back to the open house before I forget, I didn't say the date. Um, so the open house is Friday, January twenty fourth. Um, it's from nine to two p.m. and it's at the Croming County Land Services Building. Um, and so. Um, you can find out about that on our website, our Facebook page, um, and uh, we look forward to having you guys all show up at the event. Kind of a cool thing, too, is uh, people that want to order at the open house, uh, they can save some money, too. Yeah, so this is a, a one-day deal. So um, you can save $10 off of orders over $100 or more. And that's the open house coming up on Friday, January 24th at uh, the Soil and Water Office 9 to 2 is actually the times there, so you can check that out. And as Melissa said, uh, just check out your website, Facebook page, and all the information there that you'll need. Uh, Gary, I want to bring you in. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank and you for having us. What uh, What do you got going on out at the Crowing County Fairgrounds? Uh, some, some changes out there? Well, yeah. Um, I developed a, a working relationship with uh, Soil and Water. They have uh, a booth out there every year at the fairgrounds uh, during the week of the of the fair. Uh, but uh, above and beyond that, um, I had received some grant money from the Soil and Water uh, to do a water project um, and partner with uh, the Soil and Water people. And I took the where our wash rack area is for washing off the cattle during the week of the fair and stuff. That water was running out underneath and, and back out to a an area on the east side of the fairgrounds and we wanted to develop that into something so that uh, that water will eventually enter into the water system correct me if i'm what is the name of that watershed that's uh, right over by oh the little buffalo creek the little buffalo creek yes yes excuse thank you um anyway we wanted to uh do something about making sure that that water was purified by the time that it reached the Buffalo Creek. And so um, I had um, the the people come out and um, they they gave us some suggestions and, and how we needed to go forward with our project. So uh, we worked up that ground and, and killed off the original grass that's there and um, had that redone and now we're we planted some, a bunch of native grasses that we um, uh, uh, purchased uh, from uh, one of their suppliers uh, and uh, with the help of Clayton um, he came out and he is their their forest forest uh, what's technician that? forest technician okay um, and he helped me decide on what I needed to do, how it needed to be done. Um, we we had the we had the, the the manpower to do it, but we didn't have the the knowledge of what we should really be doing. So with their help, we collected a, a lot of the water. We we bought some uh, PVC tanks, uh, not PVC, but some um, uh, some plastic tanks uh, th- that were uh, 750 gallons to a thousand gallons and put them on the corner and then we took and put in some rain gutters and collected all the water runoff. We use that for like pressure washing equipment down and so we're utilizing the water runoff and then the rest of that water goes down through and and come it's a collective point where we planted all the native grasses and we're this year we're gonna put in some more trees and, and do some more things. But never never the project would have never got off the ground without the help of the soil and water. 
Sounds to me like the whole thing then is basically self-sustaining. It, it pretty much is. It it really is. Uh, um, and, and again, the, the with the help of the soil and water, you know, and I, I, we were talking about that on the way over here. I said, you know, my office is right below their office. Um, and I, I never really spent that much time in the soil and water, but now I go in there and I'm I'm looking at what what else we can purchase and the the the, the thing that I that I find that living here as long as I have I've never really spent any time in there, but there's a lot of a lot of stuff that you can do um, with the help of soil and water that doesn't require any 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 money. Um, I have had them people out and they visited. Uh, with with me out and I've got 25 acres of woods and here's what I recommend you do and this is how I recommend you do it. So um, I I encourage everybody just that has any kind of uh, uh, of land at all to just come in and take a look at the brochures and 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 talk to Clayton or one of the other people there about um, things they can do to improve the habitat for the animals and and to uh, increase uh, the growth of some good quality uh, 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 trees. Yeah, hopefully people and, and business owners and, and people that are in the situation you're in, Gary, will look at you as kind of a model of what they could do to help out the environment. Oh, yeah. We we were with uh, when we started the project with everything just kind of fell into place. Um, and these poly tanks that I had were, were used poly tanks and and uh, we didn't have to spend a whole lot of money, but we collect those. We collect all that runoff, um, and uh, we utilize that now. And, it, and it's going in the proper location, and it's not just going out onto the street or, or down the road. Um, we're, we're 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 trying to divert that water to um, to grassy areas where that it'll it'll be able to. By the time it gets to the to the culvert on the other end, you should almost be able to drink the water coming out of there. Wow, it's amazing. And so people heading out to the fair this summer, they should be able to see a lot of that stuff. I tell you what, I encourage people anytime once the once the snow starts to melt and if they want to see the project, I'll be more than happy to to take them out there and show them what we've we've done and I encourage people if they're if they're interested in doing a project like that to get a hold of soil and water and and they'll bring them out if nothing else and and, and show them what what we were trying to accomplish so we want to be good stewards of the land there you go so once again the uh, the, the the you know the tree sale is going on right now that's through uh, February 28th and the actual tree sale open house is Friday January 24th at uh, the Crowing Soil and Water office once again 9 to 2 on that Friday the 24th Melissa anything else you wanted to add uh, no, just thank you, and I guess, you know, again, kind of what Gary said, we are a resource, um, and the open house is a great way to come and meet us and uh, just kind of find out what's out there. You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, um, I think most people want to do the right thing, but sometimes they just don't know what to do with their property. And so, um, you know, and some people don't necessarily uh, need money, and they just want to manage their land, but they don't know what to do. So. Absolutely. That, that's, and that's basically how I got started. Um I, we talked about that, too, when, when we were sitting in the office before we came over. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed, I, I had um, put the wild plum. I planted some wild plum, and it and it's so much fun, it, especially if people have the, the time and uh, just to watch the, the, the birds and, the, and uh, the other animals come in and, and pick those plums off from that, um, the wild plums. It's just a really, it's a neat, uh, it's just one of many 
that they have offered in their in their uh, plants tree and plant sale. And of course, we partnered up and uh, I, we use, they use our our curling building uh, for the uh, dispersing of the of the trees and stuff. So. I encourage anybody that's going to come out and 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 uh, pick up trees and stuff, uh, take the time and come over and and see what we've what we're doing. There you go. It's Gary Doucette. He's with uh, the Crowing County Fairgrounds, and Melissa Barrick, District Manager at Crowing Soil and Water. Thanks a ton, both of you, for coming in, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank oh, thanks you so much for having us. And that'll wrap up this week's show. Don't forget. Brainerd Outdoors comes your way each and every Saturday morning just after 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5. Stream the show live if you're away from your radio or out of town at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the Listen Live button. While you're there, check out our sponsors page. And, of course, we're podcastable all over the podcast networks, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Search Brainerd Outdoors, uh, subscribe to us, uh, rate and review. We'd appreciate that. And we will see you next week for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, S&W Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, and by Radco, Your Truck Accessory Pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3.